Welcome to the Healthy, Wealthy, and Wise podcast with Dr. William Choctaw, MD, JD. In this episode, Dr. Choctaw will continue his Leadership Masterclass series by covering how AI chatbots improve healthcare. One of the many ways AI has manifested in healthcare is through chatbots, which are computer programs designed to engage with human users in natural language conversations. Dr. Choctaw will dive into this aspect as well as share AI chatbots' ability to directly assist the medical community in various ways. Dr. Choctaw will also take a look at some of the tech companies that are major players in this space with large investments and chatbots of their own. Dr. Choctaw will address the cheers and the fears regarding this transformative technology. Question. Do you know what a Da Vinci robot is or what it does? Well, these and other questions will be answered and addressed in this podcast episode. So let's get started. Here's Dr. William Choctaw, MD, JD. We're going to talk about how artificial intelligent chat box improve healthcare. How artificial intelligent chat box improve healthcare. So buckle up, stay with me, and here we go. I believe that life is about being of service to others. I believe knowledge is power. I believe leaders can change the world. As always, when we talk, we do the master class, we talk about um, uh, medicine specifically, and then on top of that, we'll talk about uh, law or legal issues. Today, we're going to talk about medicine as it interacts with artificial intelligence and finances, and we'll we'll delineate that more as we go along. So stay with us. As always, I like to include an outline, and the purpose of the outline is to let you know what I'm going to talk about. I'm going to talk about um, artificial intelligence specifically. We're going to define it. We believe in definitions. We're going to define what a chatbot is. Um, we're going to define some of the different iterations of uh, AI and, and the chatbot. The reasons for its use, uh, we're going to talk about um, some of the problems and fears with chatbots that individuals are going through presently. Uh, and we're going to talk about robots in surgery. Yes, there are robots in surgery. Don't worry. We'll explain it when we get there. <laughs> I don't want to scare you. Don't want to scare you. Uh, but they are there. But but that's a good thing. That's a good thing. Okay. So what is artificial intelligence? I know you've heard the term for many, many years, and I know that you have an idea about what artificial intelligence is. But what, what do we mean when we say artificial intelligence? Let me give you a definition. The simulation or approximation of human intelligence in machines. The simulation or approximation of human intelligence in machines. Let me give you my definition. Teaching machines to think. Artificial intelligence is teaching machines to think. Now, you can either be excited about that or that, that could scare you. And I submit that it's probably a little of both, you know, that one goes through. I know it's probably a little of both that I go through. But, but this is what artificial intelligence is. And I can tell you that if you're finding out guess. or listening now about artificial intelligence, it's already for, sure. for probably at least the last five or 10 years. And right. you know, so this this is okay. Dr. Choctaw, brain surgeon, heart surgeon. That, that are both exciting and a little traumatizing at the same time. What is the goal of artificial intelligence? Well, the goal is computer-enhanced learning reasoning and perception. Think about that. Computer-enhanced learning, reasoning, and perception. Think about a computer that can reason. Think about a computer that has perception, okay? Um, and I remember we used to always say perception is a reality, you know, uh, certainly in politics, that's true. Whatever people perceive you are politically and in terms of how they're going to vote is probably how you really are from their perspective. Uh, but think about that. There are types of artificial intelligence. I'm just going to give you the two broad categories. That's basic pattern recognition. 
Now, basic pattern recognition is where you you give you give a computer or machine a certain set of data, and and you keep giving it the same amount over and over and over again, and, and it learns by repetition. It keeps repeating it and repeating it and repeating it till it has it memorized. And then there's the other part of artificial intelligence or thinking machines, if you will, um, complex human emotion. And I submit that this is where we get into the discomfort that we humans have. And I would argue that we should have. And we'll talk about this a little a bit later in the presentation. Um, what is an emotional machine? Is that an oxymoron? What, what, what does that mean? A machine with emotion. Think about that. Just, 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 just let that marinate for a bit. <clears throat> One of the ways that scientists who do this work, computer scientists who do this work, are able to get machines to do what they do is they use something called algorithms. Now, those of you in math and those of you certainly in engineering and data management, you're very familiar with algorithms. But basically, algorithms are rules that data is given to make it, in my estimation, in my opinion, form a particular pattern to get something done. So this is all developed ahead of time. But so the broad umbrella of what we're talking about, when we talk about AI chat box, AI stands for artificial intelligent chat box, is the broad umbrella is artificial intelligence. My definition, thinking machines or teaching machines how to think. Well, what in the world is a chatbot? C-H-A-T-B-O-T. Well, obviously it's a it's made up word that chat means to talk or to speak and bot like robot. Okay, so think of a talking robot as a chat bot. Okay. The official definition is a chat bot is a program that communicates with you most commonly using a text interface and artificial intelligence. Um, when you get in your car and you use your GPS, <laughs> your GPS is not human. <laughs> I, I, I don't mean to burst your bubble. <laughs> that GPS is not a human. <laughs> it is a chat bot of type, you know, and actually it's a very early rudimentary chat bot. You know, it's not even at the higher levels that we're going to talk about today. Uh, but but that's what a chat bot is. So how does that work in terms of wh where we are today? And and I want to suggest to you, this, is, this information is in the public domain in the last six months. So this is not stuff that the public has found out about, recent, you know, five or 10 years ago, even though it's been around. But we're learning about it in the, the last six months or so. And we'll, we'll go over that. Remember when I talked about your academic hand computer, i.e. your cell phone? Um, um, that is also a computer, and we, we already talked about this. But let me sort of use that as an example to talk about the chat bot, okay? First, a bit of history. Uh, the first uh, um, company to come out with a chat bot um, is Microsoft. Now, obviously, many of you are familiar with Microsoft. If you have a computer, you may be using Microsoft software in your computer. I do. Uh, I'm sort of old school. <laughs> um, and uh, as a matter of fact, uh, these presentations are done with a product of Microsoft called PowerPoint. And I've used PowerPoint for God knows 30 plus years. Um, and so Microsoft is a very big net, um, worldwide computer operating system. Microsoft, Microsoft basically heard about a company called OpenAI. And so Microsoft then decided, and we'll get into this later, to work with this company. So the very earliest form of a chat box is something that's called uh, ChatGPT. So this is from Microsoft. And I'm just going to deal with the main the, the, the big players with, with um, uh, computers or talking computers, if you will. Um, uh, let me just go over the list. Microsoft is the first. Google is second. Meta or Facebook is third. Uh, and Baidu, which is sort of the 
the Microsoft, if you will, of China uh, is, is, is the last one. Um, but Microsoft's product is called ChatGPT. GPT just stands for some uh, computer uh, iterated language. It doesn't really mean anything other than that. But this is this was their first product. This product rolled out to the public 2022, last year. So we're not talking about a long time for free. Basically, it's free. It's called Chat GPT. And indeed, if you have a Microsoft computer, it's already on your computer. It's already there. Uh, if you don't know where to look, go to your browser, go to where you search and type in Chat GPT. And then it'll pop up. <laughs> Don't be scared. It'll pop up on your computer. <laughs> okay. So, so the very basic um, type of, of, of chat bot uh, uh, named Chat GPT. Chat GPT is the name of the chat bot that Microsoft owns. Okay. And this is called Chat Bot or GPT uh, 3.0. Now, Microsoft has already, within months, come out with an advanced version of that called GPT-4. And um, GPT-4, you have to pay for. GPT-3 is free. GPT-4, you have to pay for. I think it's like, I don't know, $40 a month or something like that. Um, but if you have Bing, B-I-N-G, this is another operating system with Microsoft, if you have Bing on your computer, you already have GPT-4 for free. Okay, let me go over that again. GPT-3 is the early uh, um, example of the chatbot that comes out that was made by Microsoft, which is the leading country because it's out with this technology first for the public. Um, uh, the advance is GPT-4, but if you have Bing, you already have GPT-4 on your computer for free. Google has a product called BART uh, with Palm 2, um, and they're, they've, they're already coming out with their product, but they're a little behind Microsoft. And then Facebook, Meta has a product called Blender Blot, and Baidu, the Chinese um, um, uh, operating system, has one called Ernie, which I found interesting. But I, I'm, I'm, sure, I'm sure there's a message there, but I, I just don't understand it. <laughs> now, just make sure that you you understand what I mean by Microsoft. You 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 are familiar with Microsoft products. You either use Word when you typed a letter, or if you typed a paper. Uh, you may use Excel for numbers. Uh, if you do any type of number accumulation or accounting, uh, as I mentioned about PowerPoint, uh, these are the products of Microsoft. They call Microsoft Office. Okay. The company that started the chat GPT is called OpenAI. That's at the top. This is a small company. Uh, I think right now, I think its main office is in San Francisco, California. Small company. And it's the one that started uh, ChatGPT. Now, I, I think you'll be interested in the history of how this came about. Okay. OpenAI is the name of the company that started ChatGPT. It was founded in 2015, not too long ago, okay? Microsoft, being the, the gentle giant that it is in the tech industry, is always looking, obviously, worldwide for new technology and, obviously, potential competition. So Microsoft approached OpenAI, uh, the company founded in 2015 in San Francisco, and said, we like your product. We want to invest in your product. We're going to invest $1 billion, with a B, dollars into your company. And, of course, you're, you're a small startup tech company, and Microsoft comes in and says they want to invest a billion dollars. What do you do? <laughs> you, that's right. <laughs> you said, sure, bring it. I'll take it. <laughs> okay. So stay with me now. Four years later, 2023, this year, Microsoft says, you know what? We're even more impressed with your company, OpenAI, and your product, ChatGPT. Uh, we want to increase our investment to an additional $10 billion. 
Stay with me. So this is $11 billion from Microsoft to a little company in San Francisco. And you may say, well, why in the world is Microsoft doing that? Well, obviously, if you're a worldwide company and you, you've got information throughout the world, and there was something Microsoft saw that it liked, and that's that bullet point, the next bullet point, that in December alone of last year, a million people signed up with chat GPT. A million people in one month, okay? You think that was something? In January, the next month, over 100 million people signed up for the same product. So what do you think Microsoft is thinking now? We got a good one here, okay? So what, what, what's my point? My point is to show you the speed of this stuff. This is not stuff that happens in six months and then another three months. This is happening daily, weekly, monthly. The speed, which goes along with computers. What, what is unique about computers compared to humans? One of the things is speed, okay? That a computer can do what I can do. The computer can do it in a second. A second is when you say one one thousand. That's a second. That's one second. One one thousand, two one thousand, three one thousand, four one thousand, five one thousand. Five seconds just went by. The computer's already done that. So, so this is the area that we're in. Now, let me let me put this in context. I'm a baby boomer. Boomer. I'm 75 years old. I, I still remember rotary telephones. I I I, I remember <laughs> that, that there were no cell phones in my neighborhood. <laughs> you know, so I'm I'm being transported now to a whole new area. And you know, to be honest with you, I find that exciting. I said, cool, bring it, bring it. Okay. So let's go into detail a little more about chatbots, and particularly as it has to do with healthcare. And I'll just go through this relatively quickly. Well, how, how does this talking computer process thinking uh, machine help in a hospital, whatever, whatever? Well, ironically, it helps in a number of ways. And I will submit to you, if you are, uh, if you get your healthcare in a large healthcare delivery system, and I'm talking about a large uh, uh, university-related healthcare delivery system or Kaiser or something like that, you're already interacting with these bots and you just don't know it. You think you're dealing with humans, you're not. Um, uh, and believe it or not, some of that is a good thing because the robot just keeps doing what it does. It, it doesn't get tired. It doesn't get frustrated. Uh, it'll just keep doing it and doing it and doing it. But so so five, five ways that it works in healthcare is um, providing informational support. Clearly, one of the most frustrating things is about being a patient or having a family member who's a patient is getting information. What's going on? Why are you doing this? Why are you doing that? What does this mean? What did that show? Et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, second, scheduling appointments. Uh, now, when I uh, want to see my doctor uh, or whatever, uh, I go to my computer. I pull down the website of my healthcare delivery system. I, I happen to have Kaiser. Um, and I just dial in. I want to see blah, blah, blah for X. Um, and I do it all online is my point. Uh, I never really talk to a human. And I sort of like that, quite honestly. Um, it uh, Collecting patient information. Obviously, when you sign into the hospital or you go into a clinic, they have you fill out a lot of stuff. And all that stuff goes into a computer. And that computer then becomes more knowledgeable about you. Providing medical assistance. Um, when the physician wants to know more, more information, he goes to that data bank and can get it. Uh, and assist in refilling. When you, um, if you take a lot of medication and you need to refill your medication, many times you can do that online. And that process is facilitated by an artificial intelligent machine. By an artificial intelligent machine. Well, how, how, do, how do these chatbot things help doctors? How does these computers help doctors? And, and let, let me just add here. If you remember back to some of the previous um, uh, uh, masterclass lectures, we talked about the Affordable Care Act, uh, Obamacare, that was passed in 2010, 13 years ago. And we mentioned that one of the main factors of Obamacare was it forced healthcare to go from paper to computers. This is a part of that process that started 13 years ago. 
So how, how, do, how do we physicians use the chatbot? Well, it helps us with clinical decision support. What does that mean? That means is, let's say I admit my patient to hospital A, and patient's very sick, and uh, it's a it's a condition that you don't see very often. Let's let's put it in that category. Uh, and so I think that I want to do treatment A, and so I type treatment A into the computer, and, and the and the computer gives me a red uh, X or something, and I said, "Whoa, what's that?" And the computer says. Uh, the, uh, the, the that it will not accept my treatment recommendation. Um, and then I ask why, and the, and the computer says, I need to talk to X or Y or Z. My point is, it is helping me with my decision regarding the treatment for that patient. That's a good thing. Medicine changes every single day. And it is impossible for anybody, I don't care how smart you are or what school you went to, to stay up with everything that's current on and on and on. Think about an artificial intelligent chatbot, a computer, and think about it in terms of a library, a world library. Think about a library, but it's a world library. And think about this world library that has every single book in the world in its library. And think about all the data and information in that world library that you can download to one computer system. And that's what we're talking about when we're talking about an artificial intelligent chat box. So the computer just goes to this database and says, no, you need to do A, B, and C. The same thing is with literature search, procedure review. Um, what One of the very interesting areas that hospitals particularly like, and doctors also, is that you can get a lot of good feedback from patients. Dr. Chaka. Real quickly, um, let's, let, let, let's drill down a little bit more about this artificial intelligence stuff, uh, and particularly has, as it has to do with machine learning. Now, on, on the left side, you see um, uh, machine learning and deep learning. Again, machine learning here is that repetition type of learning, more superficial. Deep learning is where you get into um, um, perceptions and reasoning and that sort of thing. Go down to the lower level, you get natural language processing. This, this is how multiple languages around the world, that has to be processed, so it means the same thing for everybody. Predictive analytics. CEOs of companies love predictive analytics. Why? Let's say you're the CEO of Hospital A. Hospital A has 500 beds. You have 2,000 employees in Hospital A. You treat, let's say, 5,000 people um, in six months in Hospital A. But it is it is problematic in terms of knowing uh, how many staff you need on a Friday or a Sunday, how many nurses you need, uh, how many doctors are going to be on call, how many emergencies are you going to get so you have to bring in more of this and that. You have to guess. You have to guess. And most of the times we guess wrong, I mean, because we're human. The computer, the chatbot can do that for you. And it does that for you with what it calls predictive analytics. Go back to that world diction, that world library that's been downloaded to the chat box with all the world's data. It can tell you in hospital A, looking at your data for the last year, um, what your staffing is going to be like on a Friday night in December. It can tell you that. It can deduce it from the data that you've given it. That's just extraordinary. So a CEO, an executive team that has that much information, again, as an executive, your job is to predict the future, right? Because you have to guess. Do I uh, add this many people? Or do I get this, more, this much money? Do I take a loan? Blah, blah, blah. The computer can take all that away from you. Look at that third box, sentiment analytics. Sentiment analytics. Well, guess what that's talking about? Um, sentiment analytics means that it can do a better job of getting patient feedback that it can give to the organization, i.e. hospital, physician, et cetera, in terms of what patients think. And I think that's a good thing. I think that's a good thing. Uh, I think that's a good thing that doesn't rely on how much time I have or uh, how much 
um, um, uh, how relaxed I am or available I am. <clears throat> if you can put your thoughts and feelings and belief into a computerized system that goes directly to the uh, the people in charge, that's that's a good thing. Well, I I, I admit this this is a cell phone with a I don't know a toy chat bot. Um, I, I hesitate about putting this picture in here because I didn't want to scare anybody, but I, <laughs> but I, I decided to put it in anyway. All right. <laughs> now the chatbot doesn't necessarily look like this. This is just a no, no doubt a computer rendition of what it is. But the point is the the chatbot is there to help you. There's no question that there are issues and concerns, and we'll we'll talk about that a bit later. But it can be of help to you, and I would encourage you to look at how it can help you. Very, very quickly, um, and we'll just go through this real fast. Um, again, hospital administration like chatbots because of protocols and HR stuff and all the regulatory stuff that most of the times is very difficult to deal with. One of the places that chatbots have been found to be helpful is with hospice. Uh, that many times individuals who are in hospice uh, are able to communicate Think about texting a friend, okay? Think about texting a friend <clears throat> who has unlimited time, limited capability, uh, and can listen to you 24-7. Think about how therapeutic that might be if you or your loved one or your family member and or loved one <clears throat> happen to be in a hot hospice situation. You want to know this guy. <clears throat> this guy, his first name is Sam. So what, what, what is Sam doing here? Sam is actually testifying in Congress, okay? He started this. He and his people started, discovered it. You know, Microsoft bought it out. It spread worldwide. But Sam, look at his face. Sam, Sam's a little <laughs> Sam's a little worried. Sam's a little worried. And so what he's doing, which is smart, he's trying to be proactive or preemptive. And he went to Congress and said, I need to come and talk to you guys in government because I've created something here that you need to be aware of and you need to start providing some regulation with it. You need to start providing some regulation with it, right? Uh, it's not 100% accurate. So my point is that if you do a query in the chat bot and it gives you a certain number of answers, double check those answers another way if possible. Don't... And, and I would argue nothing is really 100%, quite honestly. Skepticism is never a bad thing. Never a bad thing. So he says that sometimes he's worried about people using the chat bot, putting it into a political forum, um, uh, and then using that uh, to spread disinformation. He's worried legitimately about people losing jobs. And that's... That's obvious, right? Uh, I can remember when 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 the the main big mechanical robots came out. They said, "Well, they're going to get rid of blue collar jobs." Well, the chatbot, uh, the AI chatbot, is going to get rid of uh, white collar jobs. Writers, artists, lawyers, um, in individuals who who think for a living. It it can even uh, replace artists. These chatbots can draw. Art. They, they can create, they can do everything. So just, just think about that on the world stage. And if you happen to be a writer for uh, Harper's um, uh, company um, and chatbot comes out and says, I can write that 300 page book in 44 hours, right? That think about time and money and then you understand the financial implications and think about it. Microsoft is not stupid. They didn't put uh, $11 billion in this company because they thought that they were going to lose money, okay? But my point is, even people who are creating the product are concerned, and um, Sam is an example. This is another guy. His name is Blake Lamone. He's a senior engineer, or was, a senior engineer for Google. So remember, they're all doing it. It's not just Microsoft. All of them are doing it. Um, and his claim, get this, that the chatbot, the machine, the robot, the computer had gained sentience. Now, I must admit to you, I didn't know what sentience was. I, I don't remember hearing that word, so I looked it up. And sentience means the ability to experience feelings 
and sensations. Think about that with your computer. Do you want a computer that has feelings and sensations? Right? And, and, and Blake says that his job was to probe the chatbot, ask it questions 24-7. What do you think about this? What would you do with that? How would you handle this scenario? How did you handle that scenario? And, and what, what Blake has said is what he's learned disturbed him. It disturbed him. Um, and when he tried to talk to the bosses, obviously at Google, they didn't they didn't want him talking about stuff like that. And they certainly didn't want him talking about it to the public. <laughs> but what got Blake fired was he gave documents to the Washington Post newspaper <laughs> to prove his point, and Google fired him. But you know, he proved his point. So my point is that even people who are on the inside are sounding an alarm bell. They're saying, be wary of this stuff. Maybe we can't stop it, but you just need to be careful with it. And thirdly, this is Jeffrey Hinton. Jeffrey Hinton is an older guy who's called the father of artificial intelligence. Think about that. If the father of artificial intelligence is saying, um, I, I'm, I'm worried about um, chat GPT and uh, computers with feelings, because I think these computers are, are going to become more intelligent than us. Think about it. Now, I, I will admit that I'm a movie buff, and I know I'm, 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 I'm dating a lot of you, but I can remember a movie called War Games uh, with Matthew Broderick. And the whole thing was Matthew, uh, uh, the, uh, the, the teenager and his girlfriend were playing around with the computer, uh, and he was trying to show off to her, so he broke into the national security computer system and started talking to one of the computers uh, and in, in, the, in the big uh, computer system, government computer system. Uh, and he went into the computer and the computer said, uh, would you like to play a game? <laughs> and so, so the teenager's girlfriend are giggling and playing around and they said, sure. And so the computer gave him a list of games. You know, you can play chess. You can play blah, blah, blah. And the teenager, of course, wanted to impress his girlfriend, said, I want to play thermonuclear warfare. And the computer said, OK. And the computer's name was Joshua. I remember the name. I, I love that movie. I watched it at least 100 times. Uh, and, and the problem was the computer started playing the game for real. And, and, and the kid couldn't stop it, and the adults were going crazy. But everything ended up all right. But my point is, that computers are computers. The other thing that Hinton says is um, this process scares him. Um, um, uh, you know, that was, I, I didn't write down everything he said, but that, that was one of his quotes. He says, this scares me. Think about the father. This is the father saying, you know, one of my kids scare me or something to that effect. Um, um, and, and his concern is that we need to have some way to control it. Now, who's going to do that? Because the whole premise is we have a, a robot that has the world's library data inside of it so that it can think faster and smarter and quicker. Uh, it's like our Frankenstein to some extent. Another one of my favorite movies, <laughs> by the way. Uh, and we built it, but then can we control it? So I, I don't want to scare you, but I think it is, it is, it is important that I give you both sides of the argument. Um, uh, the way I look at it, and again, if you've been with us for the last six months or so, you, you're familiar with um, one of my favorite parts of the brain called the amygdala. Remember the amygdala? The amygdala, <laughs> the amygdala is the control center of the brain. And see, the way I, I, I um, um, uh, analyze this is computers don't have amygdalas yet. 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 Now, I don't even know what an amygdala would look like in a computer um, or whatever. But my point is the difference, what I've always thought, the difference between me and them is that um, I have emotions and they don't. They may be smarter than me, but I can love and they cannot because they don't have emotions. Well, whatever computer learns what love is. Because then if you learn what love is, you may learn what hate is, okay? Then that's a whole slippery slope that you want to be careful of.
So let's switch here and, and look specifically at healthcare, okay? What, what are the areas that the chatbots are helpful in hospitals and healthcare delivery that hospitals like, and why do hospitals like them? Well, one of the reasons is, and as I mentioned before at the beginning, the use of the chatbot or the super-duper advanced thinking computer saves money for the hospital. That does it directly and indirectly. It provides cybersecurity. Uh, it helps with clinical trials. It helps with work assistance. It helps with um, uh, nursing assistance. One of the ways that hospitals love using the, the robot <clears throat> is in surgery. In surgery. Now, I should share with you, uh, as I said, I've been a surgeon for 50 years. As a matter of fact, as I mentioned before, my medical school is celebrating our 50-year anniversary because I graduated in 1993 uh, from Yale Medical School. Um, the robot can generate a total uh, close to 100, over $100 billion just by using the robot alone, Okay. This is what one of the robots looks like that's used in surgery. And it's used in most types of surgery. Some are more beneficial than the others. These are the ones that are very beneficial with the robot. Prostate surgery, general surgery, gynecological surgery, heart surgery. This is an example of the robot being used in, say, heart surgery case. So what, what do you notice immediately about this picture? You're right. The surgeon is not standing at the table. He's sitting off to the left side. You say, wait a second. Aren't you supposed to be up there at the patient? That's the way it is on TV. Well, guess what? <laughs> this is a new process. And as I said, this has been around for about 15 years. This is not last year or last November or 21 or 20 or 19 or 18. Um, and it is growing in usage. I know this because for the last four years before I, I retired, semi-retired, I was running around the country um, doing accreditation work for the Joint Commission um, and, and, and helping to accreditate hospitals and making sure that they were following the rules. And the majority of them uh, are doing robotic surgery in increasing numbers, increasing numbers. Another example of robotic surgery. Here we have two surgeries. Because a lot of times, when we, as a general surgeon, I would be doing a case, and I would maybe call in a urologist uh, because my my the area that I'm going to be working in is going to be very close to the ureters or the kidney, and I want a urologist in there. Or uh, a gynecologist would call me in, um, obstetrician would call me in um, um, because of possible bowel injury. So it's not uncommon to have two physicians working. Uh, so the patient's on the table. Uh, the robot is over the patient. Uh, the nurse is standing by the table, uh, but the surgeons are at the monitors, like a computer screen, computer monitor. This is what the robot looks like from, from a different perspective. This is probably the most famous robot. It's called the Da Vinci XI, and surgeons love the robot. This is how it looks like in another type of surgery. Um, you know, you see all the plastic over it to keep the area sterile. Um, but um, robotic surgery is increasing in scope and speed in surgery. And it's, it's beneficial in surgery. And one of the reasons beneficial in surgery is it's, there's, a, there's a smaller scar for the patient. Uh, smaller scar means less post-operative pain. The surgery is more accurate because, remember, this is a super-duper intelligent uh, assistant that the surgeon has um, and can keep the surgeon uh, out of danger more efficiently, more effectively. So it helps to provide better patient care. In summary, the AI future is now. The artificial intelligent future is now. Chatbots are working right now today. Artificial intelligence is non-human learning. Uh, the more advanced chat box today is the chat GPT-4 made by Microsoft. And if you have Bing operating system on your Microsoft computer, you already have it for free. 
Chatbot is an advanced search engine that communicates verbally uh, with um, uh, the patient and, and with, with the physician. Robots have been used in surgery for 15 years, as I've said. Uh, robot, and, but the other side of that, though, is one needs to be cautious with the whole artificial intelligence era or area, if you will. Uh, and don't hesitate to think uh, and reevaluate uh, and make sure that you have the most appropriate use. And presently, the most advanced chatbot to date is the Bing, and this is the um, logo that you'll see on your computer screen. My basic principles, as I like to always end, God is in charge. Um, as I've mentioned each and every time, uh, God is the leader of my world. I am a physician of faith. Um, and uh, because of that, he has sustained me uh, and allowed me to do what I have been blessed to do. I have no bad days. I discovered many years ago that when it, whether a day was good or bad, it was up to me. And so I decided that I had had enough bad days and I didn't want it anymore. So I now only have good days or I have great days. Don't sweat the small stuff and most stuff is small. I have learned that whenever something bothers me or appears to aggravate me, it's usually not that big a deal. So I've learned to go slow, um, take a step back, uh, and just not worry about stuff. Forgiveness is therapy. People will do or say things to you that may very well aggravate you or bother you or hurt you. Forgive them. Doesn't matter who's right or wrong. Just forgive them. And you will be amazed that not only is that the right thing to do, it is also therapeutic for you. And the fifth thing is everything is a relationship. Uh, most relationships are built on three things, mutual respect, mutual trust, good communication. If you have those three things, you have a good relationship. If you do not have those three things, then you have some work to do uh, to build that relationship up <clears throat> Excuse me, to where it should be. Are there any questions? One of your slides, you were talking about the benefits of AI in the hospitals in relation to patient um, satisfaction. Yes. Um, is that because um, the, pay, the, the computer will communicate with the, with the patients before they leave, or how is that beneficial or faster? Okay, let, let me repeat the question. The question is that on one of my slides, I had some information about how the chatbot uh, is beneficial uh, in terms of patient satisfaction, and is that when the patient is still in the hospital or when the patient goes home? Uh, basically, it's mainly used for survey of patients. Uh, and so it's mostly when the patient goes home uh, in terms of patient satisfaction, where the patient can give accurate and quick feedback about their experience. Um, and that's one, one of the ways that it helps with patient sentiment and patient uh, experience. Also, there could be um, 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 surveys that patients would take even while they're in hospital. Uh, and some hospitals do that also, but they can do it very quickly with the chatbot and, and not have to have a person or a nurse to do that. Uh, and they can get that information faster back to the hospital. Thank you. There's a question online. Yes. Go ahead. I have a question. Yeah, go ahead. Okay, I have to, actually I have two questions. Um, yeah, in that illustration uh, with the uh, Da Vinci robot, and you had the two surgeons, um, and like you said, this is technology that's a few years old. Has there been any growth with those two surgeons not being in the room, perhaps being in another city and conducting surgeries? Uh, no, no. Uh, one because I think it would not be acceptable to do that. Uh, and two, I think you would then get into situations of error and litigation and that sort of thing. So it hasn't quite gotten to that level where you could be absolutely absent. Now, that, that may happen in the future, but presently that, that's not the case. Okay, thank you. And my second question is, do you see a day coming when those two surgeons would be completely replaced? By another Da Vinci robot. <laughs> Maybe. What <laughs> answer? It is possible. I because I've I've gotten to the point now where almost anything is possible. 
But to answer your question, it is possible because things are moving in the direction of the uh, the robotics doing more and more and more. Um, so that's not inconceivable, to be honest with you. All right. Thank you. The tools that you're using, the yes. are they the same as, as, as they would be in your hand? Uh they're similar as they would be in my hand. Uh, for instance, they, they have extensions and by sitting at the monitor, I'm able to move their hand, you know, because they're an extension of me. Uh, so they're sort of, they're similar, but modified for the robot. So it's like basically similar, but it may be a little longer. It may have a little this and that. And the robot, remember the robot doesn't get tired. <laughs> I remember, you know, we used to we used to talk about, you know, five, six hours surgeries and whatever. Robot doesn't get tired. Uh, and remember, the surgeons are sitting. Uh, so that's another advantage, too. But but there's a, maybe a slight modification of the instruments with the robot. Any other questions? One last question. Oh, OK. Um, back to the okay. chatbot. Uh, the. AI chatbot, there, you know, there are some concerns about accuracy of the information that's coming back. Uh, and you talked about that. Um, where do you think that's going? Um, and how how is that going to be addressed? I mean, obviously you can't do it with legislation, but what's what's the tech industry doing about the accuracy of the information that's coming back from all the searches that they're doing? That that's an excellent question. Uh, um I don't think the tech industry is doing as much as it could. And I think that's why a lot of them are going to Congress and say, you guys need to do something. And obviously, you know, a six to five year old man in the Senate knows less about the tech stuff than I do. So they they can't do anything. I, I, I do believe that they are legitimately worried, uh, as they should be. Um, but I think, but to answer your question specifically, I think it's a matter of buyers beware. Those of us like me and you and others who are end users, we have to have a certain degree of, of, of organization and a healthy suspicion about everything. For instance, I, I've started using the chatbot. Um, matter of fact, even preparing this presentation, I used the chatbot, and I was very impressed because it's so fast, you know. And literally, when I put something in into the uh, the request or the search, it it starts in a second telling me what I need to know. But I would then also go out and maybe do a different search to to validate that. So I think we're going to have to do more of that sort of thing. Uh, but I think uh, it's going to take a combination of all those things. But I think we're going to have to do our part and not just rely 100 percent on its accuracy. And they have, they have actually said that the areas that is weakest is opinion. Of course, if you ask it, who's better, Republican or a Democrat? You know, now it may give you what it thinks, but it may not be accurate. And, and those types of questions are the ones that you have to um, sort of take with a grain of salt. All right. Thank you. Yes. Uh, thank you so much for your presentation. I really like the uh, the end of it, where after you've given us all this news, you talk about my basic principles, and you know you can feel free to use that in all of your uh, presentations because sometimes we need that reminder because there's so many things going on in the world today that causes us to fear, mm -hmm. and you know the Word of God tells us. Not to fear. And when fear comes, it's not from God. Uh, Sister Mason, I think I got most of what you said. Uh, but to be honest with you, I, I've decided to do exactly what you suggested. I, I do use my basic principles in every single presentation for the reason that you mentioned, because I think it's important that I not only do I give you didactic, healthcare, legal, financial information, I think it's important that there be a second message there. And that is about me personally and about what I've learned and what's worked for me. And certainly my faith is a part of that. So thank you for your suggestion. And I completely agree with you. And I've already decided to do that. Thank you. Any other questions? I, I just want to I would just want to ask one more thing um, uh -huh. with the uh, the AI intelligence. I think the concern is probably uh, when you consider um, Bible prophecy how we are headed towards one world government. I mean, you talk about the move is there for one world religion. 
Um, there's uh, one world money, then to have uh, no borders. Um, I'm interested to hear your take on how you see AI bringing all these one world this and that together and how it's going to just affect the world. Well, you know, to be honest, I don't have a clue how that's going to work out. I, I, I'm I not familiar with the one world concept, but I think what one of the things that's interesting and fearful at the same time is no one knows 12 months from now, 24 months from now, 36 months from now, not what the impact is going to be with AI in multiple areas, religion, healthcare, law, medicine, finance, et cetera, et cetera. I honestly don't know. Uh, but I think if we have all of our, if all, each of us has our basic principles intact, it does not matter what the world does. We stand for what we believe and become leaders. You know, it is not accidental that this is called a leadership masterclass, because I believe, as I said in my basic principles when I start out, leaders, leaders can change the world. So it's up for us to stand and be leaders in all of that chaos, if you will, and stand for what we believe is right. Mm -hmm. <laughs> thank you. So finally, thank you all so much. Um, and I, I I like this slide. I came across this slide and I like it because we always talk about change and we talk about leadership. I, I like the idea of us looking at the person in the mirror and saying, uh, what, what am I doing? to change the world? What am I doing to make people love each other better? What am I doing to make people happier, uh, et cetera? So I like to say, leave this with you. Be the change that you want to see in the world. Let me also say that these lectures are also on a new podcast that you will be hearing about. Uh, and so if you have, if you listen to podcasts and you have a platform that, where you download your, your podcast, look us up on your platform. Uh, and you'll be able to hear some of the same material. Thank you and have a wonderful day. Thanks for listening to the Healthy, Wealthy and Wise podcast with Dr. William Choctaw, MD, JD. We hope you enjoy this episode of How AI Chatbots Impact Healthcare. And if you found this episode helpful, you can support and subscribe to the podcast on your favorite podcast platform with the keywords, Dr. William Choctaw. And you've got it. This will help ensure that you don't miss any future episodes. And then share it with your family, friends, and or your co-workers. They'll be glad you did. So until the next time, live your best possible life the best possible way.